0: This is the waves. 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 This is the
1: waves. Welcome to the waves, Slate's podcast about gender, feminism, and never saying who's there. Every episode, you get a new pair of women to talk about the thing we can't get off our minds. And today, you've got me, Shayna Roth, producer of The Waves and other shows for Slate. And me, Allegra Frank, senior editor for Slate. And this is our very special Halloween episode. And to commemorate the best holiday of the year, no, I will not be taking questions or hearing comments on that, we are going to be talking about horror movies today. This is something that I was very excited to talk about because ever since I had a kid about a year and a half ago, my relationship with horror movies has dramatically changed. I mean, I used to just watch horror movies and slasher movies, Halloween, the Scream franchise, the Conjuring franchise, like all of these movies with just ecstatic glee especially around this time of year and especially slasher movies I just I, I loved these movies I thought they were so fun but last year when I sat down for my yearly ritual of watching Halloween I I could not get through it suddenly I was very concerned for all the people being murdered and it all felt senseless and I got all kinds of existential about it which is not what you want when you're you know just trying to watch a movie. And more than anything, I got to really thinking about what these movies do for women and what they say about women and why the hell I, as a woman, would want to watch other women scream and suffer for 90 minutes. Because when it comes to horror movies, women are either victims or mothers. And I have been wrestling with whether there's a place for feminists and feminism in horror movies, again, especially slasher movies, for a while now. So I did what I always do with these existential feminist questions as a producer of a feminist podcast. I asked my over queens, Jude and Susan, to do an episode on this. And Allegra, you were game to come on this journey with me. So why were you interested in talking about horror movies?
0: Um, Well, first of all, I just wanted to talk to you as someone who I assume coined the term over queens. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, I... I'm interested in hearing about your relationship to horror movies because I feel like mine has changed as well, but maybe in the other direction. I I was never I was never a really big horror person. Not to say that I'm not a fan or never was. I certainly feel like I am now, but I was always the person who was sort of invited to those annual ritualized Halloween movie nights, not really the one hosting them. I just always been a little bit of a scaredy cat. I I just never really found the genre to be as funny or as dramatic as elevated as I wanted as someone who's like a a film pretentious jerk. But I've become more into it over the years, I think maybe as horror itself has had a bit of a critical resurgence of, you know, artier movies. Um, But I think overarchingly, you know, listening to you, I've thought about, okay, why was I really not into horror? Why do I still feel a bit at a distance from it? And I think it's what you're saying of how horror as a genre often treats women and people of color. I don't really love watching anyone get murdered or stabbed or brutalized in any way, of course, but it's always been really extra hard, I think, for me to stomach if it is a woman or a person of color as someone who is both. I think because the movies often suggest these people never stood a chance anyway and we as members of american society know that that is often the often the case as well. These movies are reflecting society and the lack of agency that these marginalized people often have, but it's drawing entertainment from them oftentimes. Of course there are those movies that subvert the this standard, this trope. And I think those are the ones that I find more affection for, or at least more readily, but it's still just a difficult genre to grapple with knowing that the movies in which the person of color wins or the woman wins are subversive more than commonplace or increasingly commonplace, even as horror itself is changing.
1: We're going to take a break here And when we get back, we're going to start this conversation by getting into the evolution of the, quote, final girl trope and the portrayals of women and people of color in horror movies coming up on The Waves. This
0: episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, all the way to the We Just Hit a Million Orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
1: I have a special announcement for you today. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Slate. It's our birthday, and for a limited time only, we're offering our annual Slate Plus membership at $25 off. As a member, you'll get no ads on any of your podcasts, unlimited reading on the Slate site, and member-exclusive episodes and segments from us and other shows like Slow Burn, Amicus, Political Gabfest. the list goes on and on. For the past quarter century, Slate has been covering all the major news events from elections to social issues to historic court decisions. Our culture shows have debated if things are sexist. Now we debate if things are feminist. Named the best summer songs and explained the latest TikTok trends. If we become a part of your listening routines, we ask that you support our work by joining Slate Plus. Sign up for Slate Plus at slate.com slash thewavesplus to keep us going for another 25 years again we're giving you $25 off an annual membership through October 31st Halloween so sign up now at slate.com slash the waves plus Allegra yes I have a question for you shoot what's your favorite scary movie (laughs) obviously that's from Wes Craven's 1996 meta horror I think masterpiece scream but for real what is your favorite scary movie yeah,
0: I mean, I I was thinking about this for a little bit because I'm really bad at choosing favorites. I'll say, I don't know if Scream is my favorite, but I watched it for the first time last year and really, really enjoyed it. So that's a recent favorite, you know, not really recent movie, but uh, I really liked that. As I kind of alluded to before, I've been better about it now, but my formative years as a film fan were marked by like studying film in college and being kind of pretentious about it. So a lot of my favorite horror movies are a little more off the beaten path. Uh, I really love Suspiria, the Dario Argento movie, not the remake. The remake was awful. Hated the remake so much. Um, I love the original. I love the movie Sue which is a really surreal, funny horror film, uh, Japanese from the 70s. I love like Hitchcock, if we can really call those scary. But I think The Birds is really scary. That's a fave. And I would say Get Out is probably just one of my favorite movies in general. So I guess it has to be my favorite horror movie, my favorite scary movie. And I feel like with all of these choices, as I was kind of like cobbling them together, there's a pretty common theme throughout like Suspiria, how Sue and the birds are all starring women and get out is about a young black man getting out of a, uh, a fake woke white family's house. So it really reminded me, okay, the horror movies that do resonate with me are the ones about those marginalized heroes getting their, their comeuppance.
1: I love all of those. I especially have become a very, very big fan of Get Out. As soon as it came out and I saw it in the theater, I thought it was amazing. But I also have a very fondness in my heart for the quote-unquote classics like Halloween. Uh, I think Nightmare on Elm Street is a very interesting movie, although I, I haven't revisited it in a long time and I don't think I could handle it right now because it's very, very gory. But I loved it as a teenager and Scream. And I think what I like about... Scream is its treatment of the horror movie tropes and the idea that we can make fun of these tropes and directly call attention to them, like in the first movie when Randy is explaining how you survive a horror movie. You don't know
0: the rules? Uh, I have an aneurysm, why don't you? There are certain
1: rules that one must
0: abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. For instance, number one. You can never have sex. Big no-no! Big no-no! Dead man. Sex equals death, okay? Number two, you can never drink or do
1: drugs.
0: (laughs) No, the sin factor. It's Sin, it's an extension of number one. And number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back, because you won't be back. I'm getting another beer. You want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be
1: right back. (laughs) These things have become tropes kind of for a reason. Aside from, you know, those great movies that you recommended and a few others. I mean, for the most part, when people think of horror movies, they think of these tropes. They think of slasher movies. They think of Friday the 13th. They think of final girls. And so I'm curious, what is your relationship with the idea of the final girl? And what do you think of that particular trope? Especially because recently it's getting kind of a weird resurgence. There's been a few books where they're about final girls and final girl support groups and things like that. Where are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's definitely the the
0: theory or the trope of it is something I've thought about a lot. And I think as I'm becoming more of a fan or regular watcher of horror movies it's I've picked up on it more like I as I said I only watched Scream for the first time last year and I watched the first one and the second one and that definitely leans into the uh, the trope which I, I don't know if we really need to define it for any horror fan but it's you know the last survivor of all of the the targets the victims in the film who is a woman it's the final woman who is able to defeat or escape the bad guy. So Scream obviously is like that. I rewatched the first Halloween and then I also watched the 2018 Halloween this week. And obviously we got our girl Lori in there. Yeah. There's just a lot of really uh, core examples of that in those really popular movies. And I want to say that the reason movies like Halloween and Scream are so indelible is partially because we have this sort of subversive take of there is a final girl who is outlasting everyone else. I mean, I think about movies like Cabin in the Woods, a more recent one, which also really pokes fun at that of like, you're going to have the virgin last. But even then it's like, ah, no, no one gets to live in this movie, which is kind of like a funny twist there. And the fact that it acknowledges that twist is part of why that movie was so fun and good. But at the same time I mean I think it's like the trope itself is just reflective of this is not the standard. Horror has not been very progressive for much of its much of its life and it's weird because even though it is a common enough trope now it does still feel unique and rare, if that makes sense. Like a lot of our biggest horror heroes are horror heroines, I think like the most memorable ones, the most likable ones. And yet, that is not still the case. Like it's still the average horror movie does not star the final girl. Does it bother you that it is still sort of like uh, our favorite horror characters are these women, but then the average horror movie doesn't lean into that? farther? Like, this is a trope as opposed to a standard?
1: I think so. I think, honestly, I think I've been thinking a lot about final girls lately because I want to see more of them. And while I was prepping for this episode, initially my thought was, well, the final girl is not feminist. One, it's girl instead of woman. You know, that's o- that always kind of gives it a strike against it. And historically, the final girl, which originated with the original Halloween movie by John Carpenter with Laurie Strode. The idea of a final girl or the sort of rules for a final girl is a virgin, timid woman who screams and cries and somehow manages to survive this psycho killer. But when I went back and was really looking at some of the different movies that have quote unquote final girls, none of them really fit that description In the case of Halloween, Laurie, she smokes pot. She also really keeps her head on straight while saving these kids. You've got Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street, who is super smart. She is very proactive and she goes in and she really like takes on Freddy Krueger head on. You've got Ginny in Friday the 13th Part 2, who has sex and drinks and still manages to survive. So it made me wonder if the whole final girl trope doesn't actually exist, if it's something that we have, I don't know if the right word is coded or created to almost lessen some of the feminist potential of horror movies. I don't know. Does that does that make sense? I'm just I was trying to sort of sort out where I stand on the final girlness and the idea of maybe she's a more progressive idea than I was thinking about, or than mm-hmm. I originally thought about. I think that is an interesting perspective. Like I
0: I think I've gone in to it or like in my thinking of it I think I have generally considered it to be feminist like part of you know even feminist film theory which you know whatever. Again, I'm not really that pretentious of a film person.
1: I'm here for the feminist film <laughs> theory. Please bring it on. Yeah. I
0: think ultimately like I do see it as a feminist thing but at the same time so I was watching I was re-watching the original Halloween and you know in that movie I'm like who cares about spoiling it it's a billion years old now (laughs) um Laurie Jamie Lee Curtis's character Laurie is the only one who lives of her friend group so her friend group is like two other girls her age two other teenage girls and their boyfriends and they all get brutally murdered and her two other friends are like They make fun of Lori because she doesn't want to ask a boy out to the dance. And they invite guys over when their parents are out of the house Halloween night so they can have sex. All of the other female characters that are killed are more sexualized, right? Like Lori is presumably the virgin whatever like the responsible woman who doesn't need a man is taking care of the kids like basically a maternal figure and i mean that plays into like a similar trope of the virgin is the one who lives and the virgin is often the final girl i think something that scream is really good at is it does subvert that like sydney is not just like this caged up virgin hates men untouched but where it started with characters like Laurie Strode, it was like, well, the reason she gets to live is because she doesn't have sex and she doesn't let men touch her. So Michael Myers can't touch her either. And that definitely is problematic. Like that part of the final girl trope, the part that's so ingrained into it still, I think, is really not cool. Like that is not feminist (laughs) at all.
1: Yeah, and I think you've really hit on something that these movies... Have historically struggled with, which is how we're dealing with women who have sex and sexuality in women. Uh, in the Halloween Unmasked podcast, which was released through The Ringer, Jamie Lee Curtis was interviewed and she said that there are three types of women in these movies the smart aleck, the cheerleader, and the repressed virgin. The repressed virgin, as you mentioned, usually the final girl, and it's the smart aleck and the cheerleader cheerleader you could probably argue is code for slut are the ones that get murdered and also in this group are the you know the black best friend or the other women of color who are also treated as very disposable and i think that is probably more so than just the final girl trope it's the treating of women Particularly women who have sex or who drink or who are not, you know, buttoned up wearing their pearls as disposable is historically what is so problematic about these movies.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Um, I mean, bringing in the the black character is really important here too. Of like, oftentimes the the cheerleader, I think in Scream too, right? Like it, her best friend in Scream too, I think, is is a black girl. I remember being so mad when she died. I was like, come on, really? But I guess it was sort of like telegraphed to us because she was a girl with a boyfriend, whatever. Although again, as I said, Sydney was too. But yeah, it's important not to forget that like, it's not just the women who are treated this way. It's often the people of color, the black characters more often than not. And black people in movies are often treated differently than white people in movies. They're characterized in more stereotypical or outlandish ways. They'll lean into a different kind of speaking pattern or just they're they're shown as very different from their white characters, even if they are of a similar economic class, like if they go to school together, like the black characters are still often othered. And female characters, this is true too, but like when they add that element of race, it is often a a different story. So when you're a Black woman, then your chances of being a final girl are like next to none. And that is really frustrating. Like I'm struggling to think of a Black final girl.
1: The only one that I have seen or can think of is actually in a book. It's uh, by Grady Hendrix. It was recently released called The Final Girl Support Group. And What's interesting is he has this, you know, group of final girls and then it turns out somebody's trying to get rid of all the final girls because in this world the movies that are that we're talking about Halloween Scream, the heroines are real. Like they're based on real life, which is an interesting element and an interesting thing to think about. But what he does is the one black final girl, she is dead at the beginning of the book. So like even when we try and have a black final girl in some medium, She's not a final, final girl. She doesn't survive to the end of the book. She doesn't even make it into the book. And I, I'm so curious as to why we just constantly struggle to have these these women portrayed in these powerful roles. I mean, I think it's like true of just
0: any genre. It's <laughs> like thinking about it outside of just horror. Female leads, there are fewer parts for women in lead roles, especially ones where they play independent, powerful women I feel like a lot of those roles are like, you're playing a queen or whatever, like, <laughs> not anything a little more grounded, or like a mother, things like that. And it's true for women of color too. Like, horror is just one genre, like, subgenre of the greater problem endemic to movies, which is just women are not treated super awesomely. <laughs> women are rarely the heroes and if they are it's like a big to-do like oh this is a great female-led movie like it's still far from a standard
1: yeah that's how you get that marvel moment when all of the female superheroes did their power pose and it was just like da, 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 female moment and i crashed yeah, exactly um, <laughs> i think that's a good place to end this part of the conversation so we're going to take a break here and when we get back we're going to talk about all of these movies sort of, again, but in current form, because a lot of these movies are getting sequels, reboots, television spinoffs. And we're going to talk about sort of how the genre is doing now when it comes to feminism and its treatment of women and people of color. But if you're enjoying The Waves, we would love it if you would like and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to hear
0: more from Shana and myself on another topic... Check out our Waves Plus segment, Is This Feminist?, where today Shayna and I are debating whether sexy Halloween costumes are feminist.
1: Welcome back to The Waves. One of the reasons, aside from Halloween being in a few days, that this is such a timely conversation to have is because there are so many remakes and reboots and sequels coming out to classic horror movies. There is... Bear with me. And I know what you did last summer. series on Amazon. The trailer for the fourth Scream movie recently came out and will be released in January, which, P.S., makes no sense. There is a Chucky TV series. It seems like every Stephen King book ever written is getting greenlit. And, of course, a new Halloween movie, the sequel of the reboot, which was a sequel to the second original Halloween movie. I think I got that right. Is now on Peacock and in movie theaters. So it's just madness. That so one broke confusing.
0: my brain. I know. It broke my brain.
1: <laughs> Never repeat that. No. One of the things these new, we'll call them versions, have been trying to do is correct the original sins of their franchises. And this is something I think we've been seeing for quite a few years now. The one that immediately comes to mind is the remake of Black Christmas, where the women really flip the script on the people that are coming at them. Halloween sees its protagonist, Lori Strode, as a proactive vigilante of sorts in the newest versions of these movies. And there are more people of color in some of these series. Uh, so my question to start us off is, do you think they are succeeding in staying relevant with the times. Hmm. So I
0: just watched Halloween. So I'll I'll go with that one. I just watched the new Halloween. Halloween 2018. So I knew going in, okay, this is like a modern update, right? Like it's a sequel, as you said. It takes place in 2018. So I was definitely looking for like, okay, is this going to try and make this film that at the time was progressive in its own way? Like, is it going to correct for some of those issues. We did mention of like Lori's more sexualized friends are the ones getting killed. So I thought that was like a good litmus test for like, are these reboots and remakes and et cetera, doing a good job of meeting the times. And I mean, I think Halloween at least was good in that sense. Like I was watching it and (laughs) like, there's a lot of men who are killed and it is sad, but it's more upsetting. And I think the film recognizes it's more upsetting when a woman is killed. And they definitely pare that number down a bit. Um, There is a callback to the original of a babysitter is killed this time, a babysitter who invites a guy over to have sex, though, is killed. But ultimately, it's like a story of mother and daughter and granddaughter, and they come out, okay, which, you know, has its own issues. Because as I mentioned, that one girl having sex does get killed. And the granddaughter is not doing that and just broke up with her boyfriend. And But still, it I think ultimately there is something, there's some progression there of we are really leaning into it's women in charge and they can completely take care of themselves. They're the ones we trust in these situations and the guys are usually the ones screwing it up. But I I feel like otherwise... There's just so much about horror itself that you kind of have to revise in order to get away from these issues. So there's just a lot of things that you can't really change about these stories. Like Carrie is still going to be mocked and shamed for having her period. There's just a lot of things that are just core to these stories. And when we're just rebooting and remaking those existing stories, like you can't change things too dramatically before it's not the same thing anymore. And I think a lot of these people want pretty much the same thing. Like that's why there are a million Halloween movies because people just want to see Michael Myers stab someone. So they can't change things too much.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, whenever I stop and think about like, why are we, relying so much on these old franchises. I'm like, why not just make something new? Then I remember that it's a business and there's IP here and it's reliable IP. And so they're in it to make money. So so you see the the Hollywood machine kind of wrestling with this, like, well, we, we know that Michael Myers is going to make money and it does. Halloween Kills is doing very well at the box office despite there still being a pandemic and despite it being for free on Peacock. But you see sort of the Hollywood machine being like, we want to have these horror guys, which we know are going to bring in money, but we also know that of the times means we have to be more progressive. So they're trying to like sandwich these two things together that to me, it just, I don't know that it really can work. While I find it interesting that you have Lori Strode and she's dealing with this trauma of all the things that have happened to her and how it's made her this sort of like, badass I got a house that does tricks so that I can trap Michael Myers (laughs) that
0: does tricks that's exactly what it is it literally is like this weird kind of comical house with like a kitchen island that reveals a bunker
1: yeah yeah and I felt like when I saw that part of the movie I'm like I know I'm supposed to cheer but I'm groaning because this just seems a bit silly and I wrestle with "Eh, I I see what you're doing but I can't really applaud you and I think where we get some of the more, we'll call it feminist horror movies, are some of the newer non-franchise ones. You know, we've talked about Get Out. There's also It Follows, which is a whole different way of doing this, where it takes the if-you-have-sex-you're-going-to-die concept and really pulls at it. You have Jennifer's Body, which is a very interesting sort of horror-comedy movie. Yeah, And... One of my favorites of the last decade is You're Next, which really has that, who you think is going to be the quote final girl or this woman who's being hunted in this house. It turns out she's like a survivalist and she like built her own tricks in the house and it's it has comments about class and things like that. So I think those are really where we are able to see true progression in these types of movies. And I feel like whenever we see more of these reboots, it's really more of a, we want our money. We know this property works, but, you know, we got to throw you some scraps. Yeah,
0: I think that's super true. And also, I've not seen your next. I've seen the other ones, but now you make me really want to watch it.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah. I think like those movies that are more original and like created today for today's audiences work so much better than something like Halloween, where it does have that DNA in there. And they really are just like, in a lot of ways, banking on the name. The fact that like there is a sequel to Halloween now, like they're making it a trilogy again. It's like, okay, we know what you're doing. It's clear. It's clear what you're doing. So, I'm I'm certainly more interested in watching the like movies that you mentioned and newer ones.
1: So, not to be a total mom about all of this, but this all kind of brings me to the question of should slasher movies even be made? And what is it about them, be it as a reboot or be it in an original form? What is it about them that makes us keep wanting to watch people get stabbed and murdered in horrific ways? Is it cathartic? Is it that the times suck and so I want to scream while watching other people scream? I guess, like, because like I still am vaguely interested in watching these movies, depending on how they're done. But also, like, like, I feel like if you explain this concept to aliens, they would be very confused as to why anybody finds these entertaining. It's interesting because, yeah, like what
0: you're describing makes me think of roller coasters because I it's easier for me to watch a horror movie than it is for me to go on a roller coaster, especially when they go upside down. That's the kind of thing that I'm like, I don't know how people can explain that. Like other than it's thrill seeking. I like to be scared. It is cathartic. And obviously that doesn't last as long as a horror movie, but I feel like there is more of a legitimate risk to your life than (laughs) with a roller coaster than a horror (laughs) movie. And that's, I think, part of my preference is like, I do sort of like getting that thrill, but at least I can turn the movie off or leave or something if it gets too bad. But roller coaster, you're strapped in. So I think it's like the same sort of impulse. The slasher in particular, though, because it's like there are so many different ways to do a horror movie. So the slasher though is so classic. I think maybe like the idea of home invasion or a stranger who's coming after you and seeing that subverted. And like, I think that's just a big fear a lot of people have. And so having some sort of agency over that fear, like there's the secret thrill of watching that happen to someone else. And then also knowing that, oh, here's how I could get out of that watching movies like that i'm like oh okay so that's what i would do okay i should have a knife on me and i should (laughs) have a secret bunker and (laughs) i should learn where to elbow the guy like things like your house should do tricks
1: my house should do
0: little magic tricks yeah so i think i think a lot of it is thrill seeking i would love for someone to explain roller coasters to me let alone an alien like i just you will never (laughs) sell me on that it's much easier to sell me on a horror movie
1: Before we head out, we want to give some recommendations. Allegra, you go first. What are you loving right now?
0: So the one thing I love the most right now, other than my weirdo cat, is this one TikTok sound. That's basically a meme. There's a couple trends to it, but I'll describe the sound. So it comes from an America's Funniest Home Videos clip from a few years ago. And it's like a little boy Playing on a table, and then he knocks whatever he's playing with down, and it shatters the table like a coffee table.
1: Oh no! Our table!
0: Is broken! <laughs> it's broken! Which is just like, it's just a strange way for someone to talk. And the way he says it is just so funny to me. So it's just because it's like picked up on TikTok as things do like kind of randomly. And there's kind of like people recreating the video. But my favorite version of this is people trying to lip sync that audio with a straight face. So it's just really funny to like watch people try to do it with a straight face. And then they inevitably start cracking themselves up. So I'm obsessed with watching people crack up while trying to lip sync that audio and now my friends and I just quote that all the time but like say other things like oh no my internet it's broken or whatever (laughs) my (laughs) phone so many levels (laughs) my phone battery it's dying like (laughs) just the way that it's it's said is so funny to me so that's what I'm really into right now what are what are you loving
1: so my recommendation, it's its probably a little late by now for most people, but I, if you haven't seen it yet, I recommend Hulu's Only Murders in the Building show. All the episodes are now out and available for streaming, and I thought it was just delightful. I went into it with fairly medium expectations, and I thought it hit all of the marks. It has Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez in it, and they are just delightful, bumbling heroes trying to solve a murder that happened in their building. It has plenty of twists and turns, but never takes itself quite too seriously. It was just one of those watches where it felt like just kind of putting on a cozy blanket and once a week just being like... "Hmm." I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to watch this and be with my friends for a half hour in the lovely New York apartment building that they're in. And I, I actually recommend, even if you haven't watched it yet, not binging it. It was really fun to just watch it one week at a time. I, I thought it kind of helped the show along a little bit instead of just sitting down and watching all of it at once. I highly recommend it. I would love for Martin Short and Steve Martin to do more things together and make them available to me because those two are just such a delight. And the idea that, you know, they've been friends for forever and they're still making things together. i It's just such a lovely ray of sunshine in this cloudy world. That's our show this week. The Waves is produced by myself, Shayna Roth. Susan Matthews
0: is our editorial director with June Thomas providing oversight and moral support.
1: If you love the show, be sure to subscribe, rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd also love to hear from you, especially because in December, we are going to be having two very special Waves reunion episodes. And we would love to get your questions for our original Wavesters to answer during these very special episodes. So if you have questions, thoughts, comments, please send them to thewaves at slate.com. The Waves will be back next week. Different
0: hosts, different topic, same time and place.